This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. All right, here we are back once again, ready to rock and freaking roll. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by a man who doesn't worry about nothing, no. Because worrying is a waste of his time. It's Chris Sinzak. What's going on, brother? <laughs> I wish I could live that statement. I'm, I'm doing my best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very well. It's been a rough couple of weeks. But yeah, it's been it, it's all good. Uh, glad to be back and uh, excited to share this episode with you guys. Yeah, man. This is going to be a fun one today. We got Craig Gass, who's one of the funniest human beings on the planet. Rock and Pod alumni many, many times over. And a, a true comedian out there on the road, living it up. He's calling us from Wisconsin, and we're going to talk about Guns N' Roses. We're doing the best and the worst today on the Decibel Geek Podcast. All kinds of fun stuff. A lot of laughs and a lot of rock and roll. But of course, before we get to all that, we got to take care of our business, and I'll be damned, it's a review. It might be a recommendation. No, this one's a review. A Podchaser-style review. Five pink stars, just the way we like it. I recognize the man sending it to us. It's our good friend, Will Honeycutt. And it goes a little something like this. This is my third attempt to review my favorite podcast. Let's hope this one finally makes it to the guys. Chris and Aaron do an amazing job at keeping us old rockers up to date not only with the legacy bands that we all know and love, but the new artists as well. There really is something for everyone here. News stories, best and worst of your favorite artists, fresh blood for new bands, radio sucks, the list truly goes on and on. The thing that makes these guys different is that they really are just two guys that really love the music, talking to each other about how much they love or hate the topic they are discussing. It's like sitting down with old friends. My offer still stands, boys. Come on out to the party barn in Lewisburg for a live show. Keep up the good work. Horns up. Five stars. Gotta love that. Third attempt. This one was the charm. Yeah, he told me that he's had several times he's tried to send a, a review in, and for some reason they don't register on our end. Huh. So I don't know what that's about, but... Uh, yeah, he's uh, him and our other friend Shay Hargett. They hang out together all the time, and he's like, he really wants us to come hang out. Maybe we'll have to take him up on that offer, go out there and uh, record an episode with them. Man, I got friends in Lewisburg. I used to go down there all the time for the wrestling shows. 
All right, on. It's been a minute. I'd like to get back to Lewisburg again. It's a cool town here in Tennessee. Rock and roll. Very cool. All right. Well, I mean, we're getting close, man. It's getting closer and closer and closer every single day. I'm so excited. I know you're worn out. I could tell by the gray hairs that it's rockin' pod season. It's hot and heavy time for you, Chris Sinzak, putting it all together, making it happen. I actually sat in on a board meeting the other day. That was great. Yeah, I was I was like, oh my god, Aaron's here. That was that was, that was cool that you showed up. But uh, yeah, I was. Uh, you got a you got a little view behind the scenes on uh, all the stuff we juggle with this this damn thing. But uh, it's uh, yeah, it's full steam ahead. I'm I've got our friend Dave Tedder helping line up line me up to go on a million different shows to promote it and nice. uh, just working myself to the bone to make sure this thing comes off well and uh, hope everybody has a great time. It's going to be awesome. And like I said, I sat in on that little meeting and it's amazing how down to the detail on stuff you guys get. Things that I would never think of, which is probably a good thing. I don't run an expo or a (laughs) festival or a get together such as this because it would be a fiasco. But when I see you guys talking about all the little fine details that are going to make this thing perfect, it makes me even more excited for everybody coming to town to Nashville on the weekend of March 18th to hang out with us for Rockin' Pod. We've got the rock stars coming to town. They're going to be hanging out, having a good time, talking to the fans, getting pictures taken, doing autographs, meet and greets. Then, on top of that, you're going to get to see them up on stage performing, well, granting, I guess, interviews with some of your favorite podcasters because not only... Do we have the stars of rock and roll coming to rock and pod? We've also got the stars of rock and podcasting. That's right. All of your favorites. Decibel Geek, Cobras and Fire. Mark Alden Taylor's coming. Yes, he is. From the Freeform Rock Podcast. That's amazing. We've got Ian and Ralph coming back from the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's amazing. Uh, who else? Metal Mayhem, Fans in Motion, The Commute with Steve of Olivius. Of course, our friends Bushy and Metal Mike are coming back with the Plug Podcast. The Electric Crush is coming back. The State of Memorica Black Crows Podcast. The Rock and Roll Coffee Show. The Ray Egliata Show. Play That Rock and Roll with Joe K is going to be there. Look, it's Rock and Roll is going to be in the house. Let It Rip with Ron, our awesome friend. Kiss Talk is going to be there along with the Jam Session Radio. In Obscuria Podcast, that's awesome. Love those guys. The Kiss Room coming back once again. I'm in love with that song. Those guys are awesome. The Harem Show, 80s hard rock and music and more. They're going to be there. Classic Rock Drops is going to be in the house. The Asylum Radio Network, A to Z Radio, All Things Blues, Ages of Rock, the Chuck Shoot Podcast. And the list goes on and on and on of so many amazing rock podcasts coming from all over North America to Nashville for Rock and Pod Weekend. So not only is it a chance for you to make meet to meet some kick-ass rock stars and hang out and have a good time, you're gonna get to meet the guys and the girls that you listen to every single week in your favorite rock podcasters. It's amazing. 
Everybody comes together. We all love rock and roll. It's a huge celebration. We've got all that. We've got vendors bringing all the coolest rock and roll stuff for sale. Things you're probably not going to find anywhere else because these people know the rock and pod crowd. They don't bring the country, the rap, the folk music, the death folk music. They don't bring none of that. (laughs) They just bring the rock and the metal. So if you're looking for cool stuff to pick up, awesome things to enjoy throughout the year, you're going to find it at Rock and Pod. That's amazing. But that's not all. We've got live music. I'm talking about Keel Fest 2. You know, Ron Keel, a huge part of rock and roll history. Here's a guy with humble beginnings and a dream to rock and roll. And he made it happen all the way through the years. Got him all the way out to Los Angeles. Plays with all kinds of awesome people. You got Steeler. You got Keel. You got the Ron Keel Band. All three in one night. Plus opening acts that are kick-ass rock bands. Then we got Rare Hair going on where we're going to take all our awesome guests and mix and match them all together. Different people. Playing with people they've never played with before. Playing songs that you'd never expect them to play. It's amazing. Rare Hair. You got to love that. So if you love rock and roll and you've got vacation time, and you've always wanted to come to Nashville, this is the perfect opportunity for you, because this is what it's all about. The Rock and Roll Party of 2023 is Rockin' Pod. Get your tickets right now. All kinds of cool stuff going on all weekend long. You're going to find all the information at rockandpod.com. Go hit it up right now. Get your tickets. All my coolest friends are coming to Rockin' Pod. I hope you're coming to Rockin' Pod, too. I'm going to try to make it. You know what? The biggest news I think this week came out is that we've got a major sponsor coming on board. Well, you know, when you look at sponsors, you think, geez, you know, is it going to be a problem? Are they going to come in and try to take over and change? Change everything we're doing because it's so awesome the way it is. You've got to pick the best of the best if you're going to have, like, a true headlining sponsor. Well, this year, that makes it pretty easy. Because the main sponsor for Rockin' Pod this year is none other than Pantheon Podcasts. Hell yes. Out of all the rock stars we've announced, I think this might make me the most excited because I know for what Pantheon does for their podcasts, if they could take a little bit of that magic and sprinkle it on Rockin' Pod, then there's no doubt about it that this is going to be the best one yet. Got people coming from all over the world for this. What's stopping you, people? Come rock and roll party with us the weekend of March 18th. Rockinpod.com is all the info, the music, the guests, the vendors, everything is right there where you need it. You got to come party with us for Rockin' Pod. Go check it out. Wow, I can't say it any better than that. Other than um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Got uh, some Sunday events planned that uh, we'll be announcing in the next week and that are really cool. And uh, a lot more, more guests. Uh, I'm wrapping up guests this week, but yeah, some very cool guests of note that I'm going to be announcing soon. And uh, just keep up with all the updates, rockandpod.com. And I mean, you guys listen to Decibel Geek. We want to see as many of our listeners there as possible. If, yeah. you've, you've, if you've been on the fence and you wanted to come, this is the year you want to come because I think it's, uh, it's going to be the biggest one we've ever done. Amazing. I know it is. With Pantheon on board. We cannot lose. We are going to all have a good time. We want you to come join us. I can't help it, man. I'm excited. I know it's it's still a little ways away, but I'm excited. I know so many of my friends are coming. And, you know, it's just, man, what a year. 
Rockin' Pod, the biggest ever. Ugly Kid Joe touring the United States. I mean, am I in heaven? Did I die? <laughs> what is this? I love it. Life is so good. Yeah, and yeah, it's Stevie Rochelle coming to Rockin' Pod too. I know, <laughs> yeah. I know, man, I know. <laughs> it's it's the year of the Camaro. <laughs> well, I was born in the year of the rabbit. They tell me 2023 is the year of the rabbit again, and so I thought, hey, maybe this is my year. And yeah, it's looking real good so far. If, yeah, if only you could have had a Packers Super Bowl. Ah, well, what are you gonna do? I'll <laughs> I'll cheer for your Chiefs, I guess. All right. Well, let's see if we make it after this week. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, bum ankle aside, but uh, but yeah, come to Rock and Pod, join us, and uh, have some, have a good time with us. We want to hang with you guys. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. I promise it'll be a weekend you never forget. It's going to be great. Ah, <sighs> all that good stuff, and we haven't even begun yet. We've had so much fun doing this show over the years. We've got so many great supporters that have had our backs for so long, whether it be through Rockin' Pod or the show. And, you know, we're just really grateful for it. Last week, we released the best of 2022. What an undertaking that was. Had a lot of great response from it. We thank everybody that, you know, leaves comments on our Facebook page and all that good stuff. We love it. One group of people we always got to take the time to acknowledge. The people that when we come out with a new episode, such as today, the best and worst of Guns N' Roses with Craig Gass. So awesome. When this comes out, you'll find it on our Twitter page. You'll find it on our Facebook page. When you see that announcement, hey, the new episode's out, share that. When you share it, your name gets put on a list. That list gets rounded up together in a great big vat of awesomeness. And in that vat of awesomeness are our amazing friends, our Geeks of the Week. Geeks of the Week this week are Adam Cox, Rockin' Ron Runyon, Kristen Schimbeck, Simon Cat, James McElhenney, Shay Hargett, Aaron Baker, Mark Starsky, David Glenn, Sit and Spin with Joe, Pantheon Podcast, and Obscuria Podcast, Samuel Wetz, Keith Rockford, Thunderfuck and the Deadly Romantics. Let me take a minute to thank him for the awesome care package he sent Aaron and yeah. I. Yeah, man. I ate my candy bars. They were delicious. Yep. Me too. I haven't had an O. Henry bar since I was a kid. It was yeah, awesome. same here. That was so cool. And then CDs and T-shirts and, man, Thunderfuck and the Deadly Romantics. Awesome band. Check them out. Yes, for sure. Uh, also, Mark Alden Taylor, Warren La- Edward LaRue Baker, and Brian Knapp, Jason Warden, Todd Cunningham, Shane, Shane Abaird, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Freeform Rock Podcast, Mark and Jerry BS Sessions, David Cathy, Will Honeycutt, Joseph Capone, Victor Ruiz, Scott Crouch, Hakon Bergstad, Jay Shablewski, Eladio, Ernesto Aguiar, JJP, Body of the Soul, Kevin's on Fire, Focus on Metal Podcast, Whiting Guitar Works, Vet Halen, and as always, the, the Mooger Fooger. That's right. Those are our people. They shared it. They retweeted it. They helped us get out the word of the rock and roll that we love and cherish and want to talk about right here on Decibel Geek. So, I guess there's nothing else to handle. We've got it all out of the way. We're ready to rock and roll. One of my all-time favorite bands. And two of my all-time favorite people. Chris and Zach. Craig Gass. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All 
right, so everybody loves it when we do the best and the worst of certain bands. We've done a bunch of them already. We did Metallica recently. Everybody always loves it. And, you know, Craig Gass, by virtue of being at all the Rockin' Pods, has appeared on pretty much every podcast out there. So when we said, hey, man, Craig's coming back. Let's get him on the show. It's like, well, we don't want to just interview the guy. Everybody's heard Craig Gass' story. I said, ask Craig what he wants to do. Let's do something fun and different. Craig came back and said, hey, let's do the best and the worst of Guns N' Roses. And I said, hell yeah, let's do that. That sounds great. I have to tell you, it's really weird because at first when we had this discussion about, hey, you want to have a discussion about the best and worst of a favorite band? I was like, uh, yeah, pick a band. I was like, and you gave me a list of other bands that I love that you already covered. And I was like, uh, about Guns N' Roses. All right, cool. And I just thought, um, all right, so just make sure to, uh, it'll be, that'll be my assignment. And, and then as I started going through it, I started getting emotionally involved. I really got invested, like, wait a minute, you know what? Like, I, I started developing strong feelings about having this discussion about each album. It's really weird how it went from like, oh, yeah, easy. I know the music. I, we can have conversations about it. And then I started going through it, like, you know what? Fuck this and fuck it. Like, I, like, for no reason. I'm like, I'm alone in a hotel room in Wisconsin this week, and I'm just, like, getting worked up about nothing i shouldn't be getting this invested about it but you know what we love music that's where it all comes from right i had the same feelings too you know especially listening back to like appetite it's almost like you feel it you know like i remember how huge guns and roses was and i'm like in junior high at the time when that all breaks and so listening back and really listening back to this stuff it really takes me back to points in my life you know and it makes me feel good listening to it and I think for the first time, I've really listened to Guns N' Roses with good headphones on and really kind of dove into the music instead of just having it on a boombox blasting somewhere. Can, can we uh, go around the horn here and discuss when did you first discover Guns N' Roses? Because this is a really, this is an intense thing for me that I want to share with you. So uh, go ahead about uh, uh, how did you guys and where did you guys first remember hearing about them? Hmm. Well, I know for me, like I said, junior high, I'm a little Kiss fan. I'm probably too young to be a Kiss fan, but, you know, all my aunts and uncles knew Kiss, and I loved Kiss since I was a little kid. And I always remember there was this dude, and he was a couple of grades higher than me. And he had long hair. He was this big guy, and he was just, like, the coolest dude I ever seen. He looked like he could be in the bands that I love. And one day, I'm this little kid walking down the hallway, and he's coming the other way, and he's like, cool Kiss shirt. And then he kind of puts his thumbs back towards himself and says, but Guns N' Roses is number one. And I was like, wow, the coolest dude I ever seen just spoke to me. You know, like Guns N' Roses, man, what is this? And then it was Welcome to the Jungle. And, you know, from there, it was like I was all in on GNR just from that moment, you know, because that was the dude. And if he endorses it, I got to check it out. And then, I mean, like I said, a Kiss fan, like Motley Crue and Ozzy, and then Guns N' Roses just blew my little mind. Yeah. Mm. For me, um, well, for me, it was, you know, I guess I was about 12 when I first saw the video for Welcome to the Jungle. And I mean, and I'll just, I'll admit, you know, I was not, mm-hmm. 
I'm, I was not as well-traveled, as you could say, knowledge-wise in the rock world. So to me, I was in love with all the, the glammy 80s bands. I loved, you know, Motley, Rat, Poison. I loved the whole sheen that kind of went along with all that stuff. So I'll, I'll admit, the first time I saw the video for Welcome to the Jungle, I was just kind of like, what the hell is this? I didn't quite get it initially. And mm. it's just sometimes I, I have to come around on a band after a while, but... You know, once I and I think I must have seen the video before they blew up because I remember not having a clue of who they were. And uh, but then the video just started getting played regularly. And then, of course, everyone around me is like, oh, my God, this band Guns N' Roses. And it didn't take me long. Once I bought the record, I was just in love with the band. Well, that song Welcome to the Jungle was out there for a while and it kind of flatlined the whole thing flatlined for a while. They were on tour for over a year, uh, possibly as long as a year and a half pushing that album when the record label decided to just go out and release sweet child of mine. And then it had this whole new life that it just, they kept going and, uh, and then paradise city after that. And it just, it just got bigger and bigger. And then they became this uh, success story that um, was so the opposite of Metallica. They would end up touring together, these two monstrous bands, but Metallica was like this slow build of no radio, no mainstream support, no MTV. And they slowly just climbed and climbed and climbed for seemingly like a decade before, I mean, Injustice for All comes out and they're headlining arenas with no radio or, or MTV. Guns N' Roses was one album. It was just overnight, this self-destructive. And so many people seem to miss and give all the credit to Nirvana for wrecking all that 80s hair metal when it was Guns N' Roses that stood behind the hair metal down on their hands and knees and then Nirvana just kind of pushed them. <laughs> like, because Guns N' Roses was so real. I, I was waiting in line to buy concert tickets for something. I don't know what the concert was. And I had the latest issue of Hit Parader magazine. And I'm flipping through and reading about Motley Crue, Rat, Bon Jovi, uh, whatever big uh, hard rock bands were out at the time, Dio. And, um, you know, uh, there's a page that said uh, up and coming bands. And it just had four bands with promo pictures and one of them was Guns N' Roses. This is before Appetite came out. Uh, they're, they're about to release this album called Appetite for Destruction. And it was the weirdest picture I'd ever seen in my life. Like all these bands were like, like big hair and makeup. And they would say, don't get us wrong. We look like girls, but we will kick your fucking ass. That was always the, the talk of all, all those bands. And then I see this picture of Guns N' Roses and I just went, whoa, these guys, these guys are genuinely scary, number one. And number two, how the fuck do these five people know each other? They all look like they came from different bands. There is some weird biker looking guy he had on chaps and a leather uh, fucking codpiece. Like it was, it was like a studded like underwear thing. And then there was like this real rock star, blonde haired guy. Then there was like this mod rocker guy. Then there was a guy with just fucking hair, just so much 
obnoxious hair. Those, and then, and then there was this other blonde-haired rock guy. It, I, I kept going through the magazine and reading all the articles, but I found myself flipping back just to look at the picture because the the picture was so disturbing to me. These five people that were called Guns and Roses. So the day that Appetite for Destruction came out, I bought the cassette. And then Guns N' Roses performed at a bar in town. I want to say two weeks later, they were going to perform at a bar called the Tucson Gardens. And they were coming off of a, a tour they were doing with the cult. I guess they were out with the cult opening for them when Appetite came out. And then two weeks after the release of the album, they, they did a, a bar show. And I saw them in front of maybe a couple hundred people. And I just remember thinking and telling friends, and it sounds, of course, anyone can say this now. I remember telling friends, that band is going to be bigger than the Rolling Stones. They're going to be, they're so real. And they were so real that everyone stopped wearing makeup. Everyone started wearing like flashy clothes and Guns N' Roses just looked so fucking real. They looked homeless. (laughs) <laughs> and within the next 12 months, every band, I mean, bands were like uh, putting out like, uh, like, like a thing would say hairspray with a circle and a cross through it. We're anti hairspray. And it's like, but you were all wearing hairspray on the last album. Yeah, man, we're a jeans and t shirt band. And everyone was anti glam. And it was because of Guns N' Roses. If it, it, it just affected everything. And then when Nirvana came along, musically, that affected everything. But but the image of Guns N' Roses and the and the level of writing uh, of the music, and they just seem like a real, scary, dangerous bunch of real drug addicts, real honest-to-God drug addicts. And um, that's my speech that I wanted to deliver at my high school graduation, if they would have let me graduate. So there you go. <laughs> Anyways, well, I know you didn't want a soliloquy about... Nah, that's Sorry. what we're here for. <laughs> hey, Jesus Christ, is Craig going to shut the fuck up? We got six albums to get through. All right, we get it. You saw the band before everybody else. Enough, Craig. Let's fucking get to it. All right, sorry. sorry. I am jealous of you for that. I'll say that. Um, um, I should have sent you some pictures. I've got crazy pictures uh, hanging out because I became friends with their drummer. Uh, um, and we would hang out over those first couple of years and... Um, I have a lot of pictures hanging out with uh, Axel and uh, Slash, and uh, I'll send them to you. I've been digging up old photos and videos and stuff of uh, from back in the old days of um, um, you know when I was a kid going to shows, hanging out with my f- favorite music artists. I have a video of when I was seventeen, uh, maybe yeah, seventeen or eighteen, hanging out with Sam Kinison. Uh, long before I ever wanted to be a comedian. Um, and uh, so I've been like digging through stuff and putting on my Instagram. So, um, yeah, I, um, uh, so we can direct people there, but let's get into it. Sorry. It's your show. Claude, you got any wild stories from those times of being young and hanging out with young guns and roses? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, uh, um, Hmm. There's a doozy of a story that Slash wrote about in his autobiography. 
uh, that he doesn't realize is me. He refers to me as a kid that used to hang out with the band. And uh, that's something that I still need to uh, address with uh, uh, some of the guys in the band uh, that I'm friends with now in another part of our lives. And they don't seem to remember back then that I was that kid. So, but I have all the pictures. I have all the pictures, not only from hanging out back then, but I have all the pictures from the night that the incident happened. And uh, so I know that's very cryptic, but um, but I, I post some of those pictures on my, but yes. So the long and short of it is, uh, so they, they played when I was like 16 or 17 in Tucson. And then uh, Steven Adler was still the same person he is now. Very uh, extroverted, very warm, very friendly. And he would, uh, anytime Guns N' Roses was performing a show in Arizona, he would let me know where they were staying and I would get a room where they were staying. And then we'd all hang out. So one time of which they were doing two nights at the Celebrity Theater in Phoenix uh, with a day off in between. The day off in between was my 18th birthday. So I had an 18th birthday party at the hotel. Wow. And, um, and yeah, so, and, and again, those pictures I, I put out, I will start putting some of those pictures out on my Instagram so that when we, when this comes out, people can go and look at it. But, uh, um, but yes, as a kid, I was obsessed with going to concerts, obsessed with it. And uh, I noticed early on when I was like 15 years old, and it's probably not a good thing to say this, because I don't know if this is something that still happens, but I noticed that if you hang out at the arena after midnight uh, down by the loading dock, most of the yellow shirts clock out at midnight and they leave a skeleton crew behind. So it's, it's pretty easy to just get right back in there into the loading. <laughs> Again, I shouldn't be saying this, but, <laughs> but I noticed that when I was 15 and I would walk right back in, not to go to the band, but to just get in the building, watch them break the stage down. And I would talk to anybody who worked on the tour and try to ask them, what's your job? What do you do? How'd you get this job? I was obsessed with music. And most of the time people didn't want to talk to me because I was, you know, 15 year old kid. But sometimes there were people who, who identified with whatever kind of honest eagerness I had to understand the music industry and they would uh, talk to me. And, and I started slowly making friends uh, over the years and, and um, which, continued to when I started doing stand-up comedy and uh, people who have a really, who are really good at what they do in the music industry will continue to tour forever. They'll go from a Guns N' Roses tour to a, a Gwen Stefani tour, to a U2 tour, to a Metallica tour, um, if they're really good at what they do. So uh, when I started doing stand-up, I would hand my uh, at the time, VHS tapes to my friends who worked on the road in, in the music business, and they would just uh, show those VHS tapes to all the bands they worked for and the crew. And so everybody started to get to know me on, on those shows, which I measured success in stand up comedy by how often I was getting into shows for free, because that was more important to me than my career it was I just want to keep going to shows I love music so much. So um, every TV show I've ever been on, 
you know, in the back of my mind is like, oh my God, I'm going to have such a fun summer going to shows now because that TV shows out, you know? So. That's awesome. All right. Well, there you have it. That's how we all became Guns N' Roses fans from different parts of the world. Craig Gass is hanging out with them for crying out loud. How cool is that? So I guess let's get into the music. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Where do you want to start? Well, uh, I mean, I don't see a point really in covering live like a suicide. I mean, that was, I mean, it's got some great stuff on. I like the Rose Tattoo cover, but I figure we'll just, we'll get started with Appetite because that's the one that everyone pretty much came in on. That is it. Who wants to start with a favorite and least favorite? Man. We've done a lot of these shows, the best and worst, and I've had a lot of conflicts within me trying to choose the best song off certain albums. I don't think I've ever had a more difficult time picking one song off a perfect album, such as Appetite for Destruction. There's nothing on here I hate. There's nothing on here I skip. The only bad thing you could ever say about it is... I mean, you've heard Welcome to the Jungle a million times. You've heard Paradise City a million times. And you've heard Sweet Child of Mine a million times. And that's the only thing, you know. And even at that, if you can set that aside and say, okay, let me listen to Welcome to the Jungle as if I've never heard it before. It's like, holy shit, you know, no wonder this is one of the most well-known rock songs of all. It's unbelievably good. It's so good. It's hard not to pick Welcome to the Jungle. I always liked, oh man, it's so tough. There's not a worst for one. It's all good. I guess if I got to pick a worst, I guess I'd say Think About You. Maybe, I guess. And your favorite? I'm going to say, and this could change in 10 minutes, but I'm right now at this moment, I'm going to say Mr. Brownstone is my favorite. I just freaking love that song. Chris uh yeah Brownstone might have the the best riff on the whole record and um and actually when I was a kid for a while my favorite was Rocket Queen because I love the changeover it has at the end but me uh, too yeah that's yeah that that gets honorary mention for me but yes. yeah but I didn't go with it for my favorite for my favorite um the one that I go back to the most these days is it's so easy I just think it's got such a cool swagger and attitude to it interesting and um for Worst, I like like Aaron said. I can't. I don't really ever skip any of them. I guess I would go with anything goes because it's more of just a standard rock song. But I still never skip it. Um, I love that they still to this day. Oh, it's so easy. Besides, you ain't 
they did in their uh, glory days when they first started out. I mean, you could argue that right now is their glory days, but um, my favorite song on that album is still the, the one that stood out when I got the cassette. I would always rewind to the beginning of Side 2 and listen to My Michelle. My Michelle is so haunting. that was going on at that time. I mean, there was a lot of things that stood out about the album, what seemed to be a, a heroin addiction uh, confession of Mr. Brownstone to uh, the kind of Southern rock vibe of Paradise City. But my Michelle still to this day stands out as the standout track on that album for me. Still, it's, it's I just love hearing that song. And if I have to pick one, if I have to pick one, it's only because I don't feel anything for the song, and that's Night Train. I, I just, mm. I just don't feel anything. It doesn't do anything for me. Um, anything goes. I love that change at the end. That uh, that that um, uh, where it just suddenly becomes this Speeds beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's Appetite. And then do we jump right into Lies? Yeah, let's get into Lies. Um, I'll go. I'll go first on this one, um, and I'm just going to focus on the acoustic stuff. I mean, obviously the the covers are cool and all, but uh, that's basically live like a suicide. Um, you know, I would like to go with. I, I I did like Patience when it came out, but I'm kind of over it at this point. So I'm just going to pick that as worse for now, even though it it is a great song. Um, for me, I think the acoustic treatment of You're Crazy is better than the version on Appetite, just because it works so well as an acoustic song. I love Axel's voice on it too, but uh, yeah, I like all four songs. But yeah, "You're Crazy" is my favorite, and uh, "Patience" is my least. Yeah, I think I'm gonna agree with you on worst. I mean, I was kind of bummed out when "Patience" came out because with "Appetite," they were really heavy. You know, every song was just rocking and cooking. And then when "Patience" came out, it's like, oh no, you know, I don't want Guns and Roses to turn into like Bon Jovi and shit. So it was kind of a shock to get that acoustic album because it was so much lighter than anything on Appetite. And I wasn't really a big fan of Lies, but I mean, it was GNR. The songs are still great. I don't want to catch no shit for this, but my favorite song on the album is One in a Million. I always wish that the way you got the acoustic version of You're Crazy on this, I wish we'd have got a full 
electrified version of One in a Million because it always felt to me like the song was kind of trapped by the acoustic guitars. Like, this should be a loud, rocking, hard, fast song. shows the potential with the acoustic but i mean the power is still there it's like it's almost restrained by the acoustic guitars i just think it's a killer song but yeah it, it was a bummer for patience because it was like mm, this ain't that heavy ass guns and roses that i thought i knew well you got to remember that uh lies just seem to be some bizarre release it wasn't a full album. It wasn't like eight songs or something like that. Yeah. Um, they were so big. They seemed to release this to kind of satisfy this massive appetite that had built up for, for Guns N' Roses. It was just this weird. I don't even know that they toured on it. I don't think they did. It was, it was just like, I don't think they ever, it was just this bizarre, yeah, we're working on some new stuff. And they just put out this weird, it was an EP, right? Yeah. And um I do not at all feel that way about patience because again, these guys looked very real and in the video, Axel is severely beating up a hotel phone, clearly has anger issues. I believe it a hundred percent. He looks like he could be canceled. You know, like he's that guy that might be a wife beater. Like if there was videos in elevators back then that there might have been a, a video of Axel. Doesn't he fucking slaps a female reporter in an airport that you can find? Wasn't it a female reporter that like, oh, no, no, no. It was just it was a male reporter. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Bjork. Bjork beat up <laughs> uh, a female reporter. Well, they do look alike. They do look alike, yeah. Male and female reporters do look alike. No, I'm talking about oh, Axel no. and Bjork. Bjork and Axel do look alike. I'm trying to save it in any way that I can. I'm like, yes, they all look alike. They all look alike. Whatever, they all look alike. But, um, but yeah, I got the feeling in listening to Patience, I was like, it just felt like this is a man with a serious anger problem, got some self-awareness, he knows that he has issues and he's showing that he's aware of himself and he's tremendously angry.
still love Patience, and that is still my favorite song on GNR Lives. Uh, the one song I don't like, God, I mean, Nice Boys seems like a throwaway. So I'm going to have to say Nice Boys. Um, Move to the City sounds great. Uh, Reckless Life seems like a, just a motto song for them. And of course, Used to Love Her was was a funny novelty song when it first came out. I think Used to Love Her, the performance of Used to Love Her came out for some reason before the album came out. Like I, I seem to remember watching TV and they were doing like an acoustic appearance at some record store. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey, look at this. It's a brand new song that no one's ever heard before by Guns N' Roses. You can hear people laughing at it for the first time as they're playing it live. It's almost like a country song that I used to love her. Yes. A lot of people say, oh, he's singing about killing a girl. And then I what? Because <laughs> it was about a dog? Yeah, it's about putting a dog to sleep. Really? <laughs> yeah. No. Is that true? Yeah, that's what it's about. It's about him having to put his dog down. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, I had no, that's, you know, this is the first I ever heard of that. Well, all that happens. Guns N' Roses is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. A certifiable arena act in one album. And I remember the worldwide anticipation of Use Your Illusion, the double albums, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 is coming out. There were midnight sales all over the country. At midnight, at a certain time, on a certain date, you could buy both albums. And these were the most anticipated, aside from the Black Album by Metallica, the most anticipated releases of that genre of music. Um, And uh, so we'll start with Use Your Illusion 1. Yep. They both came out on the same day and I was still pretty young, so I didn't have a whole lot of cash. So the way you'd work it out is you and a friend, when this kind of thing would happen, say, hey, you buy one, I'll buy the other, and then we'll give each other dubs of the sets of them, you know? And so that's how we did it. My friend, nice. Your Illusion 1, I got Use Your Illusion 2. We raced them back to his house to listen to them. And I mean, like I said, I think go back to lies one more time with patience it really opened it up to the girls then liking guns and roses too i think that's what helped take them to another level and then when use your illusions rolls around then you find there's some ballady stuff on here now too and you go oh man you know that's that's not the heavy ass guns and roses that i knew but use your illusion one the opening track i mean just the way the album kicks off is freaking awesome the whole thing is good. I love pretty much everything on it. As far as my favorite, it's hard to pick, but I think I'm going to go with the song Don't Damn Me. Just because it's a hard rock and tune, it sounds to me like it could have been on Appetite. Find out later on, I think this song was written back earlier in their career and then brought back out for this. So that makes sense. <laughs>
But yeah, don't jam me. I got you. Love it. Sounds like it could have been on Appetite. That's what I like the best. That's why I love that song the best. Even though there's a lot of stuff on this album that's a lot like that. I guess for the worst. Again, this is the first time I've listened to these albums in quite a while, I guess. And wearing the headphones and really listening to it. I saw something not too long ago where there was a thing where vocalists were rated on their range. And people called it into question because Axl Rose ranked higher than Mariah Carey. And everyone said, oh, no, no, Axl Rose can't sing as high as Mariah Carey. But what they were actually looking at is the range. When I listen to this stuff in my headphones, I hear all kinds of things going on in the music, especially on these two albums that I maybe never picked up on before. And I think this time, the one thing that really jumped out on me is when Axl Rose is singing real deep, like real deep. He, he almost doubles his vocals. So in some parts, he's singing real high, but in the background of it, he's singing solo, you know? And so you go, okay, that's where the range comes from. Because Mariah Carey could never do that. Mm. He's doing on some of these songs with his super low voice. Mm. And got emotional listening to this, too, because it's been a long time. These albums were a big part of my life when I was young and getting into this kind of music. And to really go back and do the deep dive on them really awoken me to the fact that Guns N' Roses truly is one of the greatest bands of all time. Mm. I love this album a lot. There's nothing on here. I didn't immediately put on my iPod and say, I want to listen to more of this. I guess if I got to go with the worst, it's hard to choose. I really kind of like it all, but I'll go with the kind of country-ish song. You ain't the first, it's just different than the rest. And I mean, it's still cool. It's, it doesn't rock. Like don't damn me. Chris. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like a lot of stuff on here. There is some filler to me, in my opinion. Um, I almost went d- with double talk and jive. I like that song. Um, I'm not going to pick live and let die, even though I think it's a cool cover November rain, even though it gets played to death. I like, uh, I'm going to go with dead horse is my favorite. I just love the, the way that song kind of moves along and it's got the kind of the early spirit of the band. for worst uh, I'm going to agree with Aaron You Ain't the First just doesn't do anything for me I've never liked that song even when it was new I um, I just remember so many stories about these albums when they first came out uh, Use Your Illusion has a song called Right Next Door to Hell I remember that Axel uh, wrote that about a neighbor who was a super fan who had moved in next to him um, uh I do remember going through this album and thinking some of these songs weren't hitting me as uniquely as Appetite did. I was so eager, as was right at the time, to get into this. And some of these songs just, um, I just wasn't feeling it. But there was these little moments that really stood out 
And in this use your illusion one, I will always remember Coma as just being this standout song of just, I think Axel was even teasing it with Kurt Loder in saying, uh, we have a song called Coma that's 11 minutes long with no chorus. And they were just laughing about how stupid it was, that it was just this obnoxious hunk of music. Maybe it was eight minutes, but it was like eight to 11 minutes Mm-hmm. no chorus it was just a repeated sound and it's still to this day one of my favorite songs to hear live if they do it i feel like for duff mckagan it must be a fun song to play live that it must be Maybe it's not, I don't know, but it's, it's certainly a cool one to hear live. But I have to say the hidden gem in that album, and it's one that if I'm going to make a playlist, if, uh, if, if I'm going to find out I have a terminal illness and uh, I'm going to have one party and I'm going to have everybody over and I'm just going to play all my favorite songs, one of the songs in that short playlist will be The Garden. The Garden is just, it's a vibe, man. song is just a vibe it just i think they wrote it on mushrooms or acid or or maybe wes arkeen wrote it he's one of the co-writers on it yeah one of the co-writers and i i think uh there was some backstory that he was on uh, some hallucinogens when he wrote it and um uh alice cooper's featured on that song too isn't he yeah um, yeah. yeah he's awesome on it and um yeah there's just it's a vibe it's a vibe that i love and it just always continues to hit me the right way every time i hear it so uh uh so yeah if you're around me and it's a party that i'm throwing and you hear that song play i'm fucking dying soon because it's uh that's something that i want to hear this took a dark turn (laughs) yeah And again, uh, unfortunately for Use Your Illusion 1, there, there's a couple songs I could feel like ah, I could do without. 
And I'm just going to just randomly pick Bad Obsession as the one that I can do without. So, okay. But that's a great album, man. You know what? I do know this great story. I don't know who the fuck told me this that uh, someone was in the studio with uh, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. I am fully aware that Paul Stanley does not like my impression of him. Uh, uh, I like it. <laughs> a few weeks ago, we, we, we just did a charity event together in Detroit and he gave me the greatest line ever. He, uh, he, he goes, have you heard Craig's impression of me? And I was, and I go, oh, here we go. And he goes, Craig, do your impression. And I, so I do the impression and I've never heard him say this to me. He goes, you make me sound like I own a hair salon in Long Island. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I've started saying it on stage. I've started doing it as like a character. Paul Stanley owns a hair salon in Long Island. He goes, hey, have a seat. I'll give you a blowout. Come on in. You know, it's like, I just, I love the idea of it. But there's a story that uh, Gene and Paul are in the studio. They were discussing Guns N' Roses and someone said, well, yeah, Izzy wrote all the songs. Like, oh, I thought, I thought uh, Axel. I'm like, no, no, no. Izzy wrote all the music. Axel wrote lyrics. And they go, really? Yeah, Izzy. And apparently there was a moment where maybe it was Gene that said, get Izzy Stradlin on the phone. <laughs> Which I just think is like a... Get it. And I don't, it might have been Paul Stanley. Yeah, we'll give him a blowout. Bring him in. Let's have some fun. Yeah, so I don't know. Whatever. So there you go. But uh, yeah, I just... Uh, uh, but yeah, Izzy... Uh, uh, was uh, the writer, man. And uh, Use Your Illusion 2, Use Your Illusion 2, for me personally, how do you feel? I liked Use Your Illusion 2 much better than Use Your Illusion 1 right off the top. How about you guys? No. No. No! No. Not even close for me. No shit! No. What about you, Aaron? I think when I was young and it came out, I liked part two better. But now... I think I go back to part one a little more. Wow. Interesting. All right. Well, who wants to start with part two? I'll go first with part two. It's, I mean, again, this is another one. It's packed full of good songs. There's I mean, do without the alternate lyrics and don't cry. I mean, you could put something else good in that place. There's a, a demo of a song that I just recently heard called ain't going down that I, I thought, man, this sounds like it could have been good if they'd have finished it out. Instead of putting another version of Don't Cry on there. I was a kid i was all about getting the ring i just thought that was a badass song he's swearing he's talking shit about people gonna beat people up and it's like these guys are like you said they're real deal you know they're gonna they might kill somebody if you're not too careful around them you know they're they're the real thing the other thing that i noticed listening to these albums really deep listening is i don't think there's another singer maybe ever 
that uses their voice as an instrument, not just, you know, up there singing the songs, but really using your voice as an instrument. You know, he's doing like the, the inward singing and the highs and the lows and all the weird stuff that Axl Rose does with his voice. There's nobody like him. Mm-hmm. Bite the bullet. Use your illusion too. Best song on here. You could be mine. man i love it as far as the worst well for the first time this is real easy the worst song in here is my world the weird last song that's on there that's just kind of nine inch roses or whatever the heck it's supposed to be <laughs> nine I, inch roses. Roses. I wanna laugh myself to death with a misplaced and that's with a big configuration i'll hold the line while you gasp for breath you wanna talk to me you wanna talk to me? You wanna talk to me? You wanna talk to me? Yeah, I'll. Uh, I'm gonna agree with my world being the worst. Uh, yeah, awful song. Don't like it. Um, Get in the ring is a great song, but for me, uh, and I don't typically like when Axel tries to do these big, epic, dramatic songs. Which is that was his whole goal on this record was to be the next David Bowie or Freddie Mercury. But the, they did accomplish it, in my opinion, on the song Estranged. I think that is such an epic song that goes through so many different changes and big sweeping parts. And, and it's one of the best things he ever wrote, in my opinion. I, so I'm going to go with Estranged. Uh, but yeah, my world. No no, thank you for that one. Man, uh, I'm glad that we're agreeing on this. I Estranged is one of the greatest songs I've ever heard in my life. Um and um, that was, I mean, when I, I just remember going to use your illusion to to hear yesterday's. I loved yesterday's. I loved estranged. Um, uh, Get in the ring was a novelty for me. <clears throat> you know, he he actually it it uh, was born out of this frustration they had with um, people in the media um, just making up stories about them to sell magazines, and so. We all got to know the names of very specific people at magazines because of Axl Rose saying, this fucking guy from Hit Parader magazine, this guy from, and he just names everyone. I want to beat the fuck out of you. And it's like, 
wow, this is intense. Which is why when I see him smashing that phone during patience, I'm like, this isn't that pretty of a song, man. This guy is going to beat someone. So, um, yeah, estranged, um, least favorite song. Um, I can't remember what my world sound like sounded like, but I, again, there was some songs I just felt like so underwhelmed by some of the songs and shotgun blues uh, was one of those songs, not just because it didn't do much for me, but also the title was a song that could have come out from any band in that genre in the 80s. Shotgun Blues just sounded like a real generic title to me that anyone, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if there were other bands that put out Shotgun Blues. Like for <laughs> some reason, three or four hard rock bands at the time put out a, a song called Rattlesnake Shake uh, yeah. or Rattlesnake something, you know? <laughs> so, and they, there was like three or four different songs by three or four different artists that had this song that had Rattlesnake Shake or something Rattlesnake in it. Um, but Estranged to this day has the most important lyrics that have ever jumped out at me. Uh, there are certain songs that really... Uh, certain words you hear that really resonate with you. When I find all of the reason, maybe I'll find another way, find another day. With all the changing seasons of my life, maybe I'll get it right next time. And now time I was a kid to the time I started getting into stand-up comedy and then working my way up through stand-up comedy there are people who are roadblocks for you there are people who just for whatever reason don't like you they just don't like you and they get in your way to be a dick you haven't done anything to them uh sometimes they're aggro about it but there are people that are in your lives that if you just don't give up, eventually they wash away or they age out and they, they actually, life catches up to them and they can no longer uh, uh, be a nuisance in your life because they've gotten too old. And there's, there's that lyric in Estranged where he says, you don't talk so loud and you don't walk so proud anymore. And what for? God, did that make me think of so many different people who were just in my way, just to be in my way, just to be an aggravation to me. And they're all gone. And, um, you know, if you're lucky, uh, those people die. So <laughs> there's our Oprah moment for the day. If you're lucky, the people in your way will just get old and die. And they did. And, uh, uh, but God, man, that song, but you know, watching, uh, assholes age out 
has always been profound to me. There's, you know, I, I think if you live long enough, there are people that intimidated you or scared you, like bullies and shit that, you know, they get older and, and their, their, their harshness affects their body and they, and they just, and they don't age well. And uh, yeah, so that, those lyrics, God, those lyrics just get me every time, which is why Estranged is one of my all-time favorite songs by any artist. So from here, it's all downhill. Let's continue. <laughs> Estranged is like one of those songs, like even a Yes fan would be like, that's the song. You know, it's it's so fucking epic and huge. And yeah. they spend half a million dollars, probably more on the video with the dolphins. Yeah. Oh, the video. Dolphins who, and shit. Who was it that, uh, wasn't it um, Wayne's World? Uh, they were coming out with a, maybe it was Wayne's World 2 and Dana and uh, Mike Myers were uh, doing a thing where they were trying to explain videos. And they're like, all right, Guns N' Roses has a video where... Uh, Axl Rose enlists in the Navy. Now he's swimming with the dolphins. Now the dolphins are swimming down the sunset boat. Like it, it really is bizarre when you really walk through every frame of that video. Like what the fuck is going on? It doesn't make any sense. You know, he's mentally ill. He's in his house and he's, the cops are looking for him. Why are they looking for him? He's hiding in this, you know, little spot in, in one of his bedrooms in his giant mansion. And there's, lots of money and yeah yeah it's it's well it's, it's crazy but um but the basically the, what happens when the guy that you're smoking weed with goes you know what would be cool and you have the budget to do all of it exactly <laughs> and you put all the ideas out in one video yeah <laughs> yeah man and then the fucking fuck yeah dolphins dude Ugh, fucking dolphins man well how do we get to the rock scene show the band hanging out well let the dolphins segue down Sunset Boulevard. Let the dolphins swim down the sunset, and then we'll cut to the band. And then, uh, yeah, oh, my God. Great point. But I love the excess of it because, I mean, Guns N' Roses is so bloated at that point. So bloated. Now, looking back, there are stories. I think I just saw something about... Duff McKagan saying that they were like, they just had a studio. They were paying like $10,000 a day, or maybe it was even more than that. It was some obscene amount of money that they just did nothing with it. They just kept paying the money for mm. years and, uh, and just realizing, man, this whole thing is just stupid. Uh, meanwhile, on the other end of it, wouldn't you love to be the recording studio going uh, just like, <laughs> should I let them know we're still like, you know, I know if I t if I just call Axel and just tell him, he'll be like, yeah, we're cool. Like, hey, Axel, just let you know we're still here. Like, all right, cool. All right, he said cool, so we're going to keep charging him. All right, we'll keep doing it. Yeah, so, like, on the other end of it, there's just all these people just taking the money going, like, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, just just softly wanting to just let you know, hey, man, just so you know, we're, we just charge your card for another month. It's like, yeah, all right, cool, cool, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, call me if you need me. Hopefully you won't. <laughs> so playing yeah. ping pong. Well, that's oh another thousand dollars. So uh so yeah, so now uh use your illusion to the band is is just combustible, they're falling apart, they kick out Steven Adler, which was a tragedy. Uh Izzy says, fuck this, he's out. By the time they start touring on Use Your Illusion, 
Izzy's out and they bring in what's his name? Matt Sorum. Yobi Clark. Yobi Clark. And Matt Sorum. Uh, oh, that's right. Well, Matt, Matt comes in. Was it was it Farm Aid when Axel that, No, that, Farm Aid was Steven Adler's last show. Steven's last show. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then before that, when they open for Guns and Ro- or open for Guns, when they open for the Rolling Stones, Axel makes a declaration that like some people don't uh, uh, watch what they're doing with um, uh, Mr. Brownstone, they're going to be out of the band or something like that. And then, uh, yeah, and then Steven's out of the band, and now the next album is Chinese Democracy. Is that the next album? The spaghetti. Oh, spaghetti. Incident. Spaghetti incident. Okay. All right. I was excited when it came out. You know, like I said, Guns N' Roses is crazy. All about it. Whatever they're coming out with, I'm buying. I got Spaghetti Incident. It introduced me to a lot of bands I didn't know about before. You know, and I, I thought that was pretty cool. To me, I remember seeing the video for Since I Don't Have You and going, what the fuck is this? You know, it's the first time I was really disappointed with Guns N' Roses. It's like, looking back, I think this, they weren't already going to explode anyway, implode, I guess. That hurt them, I think. Because here they were this band that everybody took so seriously, and then it's just not a good song for them to do. I don't like it, but, I mean, it's still better than the stupid Charles Manson song, which is by far the worst thing on the Spaghetti Incident. I wish they would have made a video and released a released a single for Black Leather. Leather is the best thing on here. That's that is one killer song. It sounds like it should be a Guns N' Roses song. So that's the best Charles Manson song, probably the worst thing they ever did, including My World. Hmm. Yeah, for me, um, I didn't really get into this record at the time, um, and I was still pretty naive when it came to music history so to me i was like ah it's them covering a bunch of bands i've never heard of so i don't really care i i mean i did give it a listen but i didn't really pay attention to it obviously to me they picked the right single to release from it their cover of nazareth's hair of the dog is fucking great
can easily tell Dan McCafferty was a huge influence on Axel for his vocals. So I'd love mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. That's a perfect song for them to cover. But then if I have to pick a worse, um, yeah, the Manson song is stupid, but I view that more as just a novelty thing. So I'm going to... I'm going to pick that UK subs cover of Down on the Farm. We do not need to hear Axl Rose trying to do a British accent. It just doesn't work. Man, I like that one. Uh, This is where uh, the band, I mean, you were saying this is the end of that classic era. The classic era was done by this. Uh, The classic era started to implode uh, in the middle of the uh, Use Your Illusion tour. Um, I don't know why, but I'm just remembering that uh, I believe the opening nights of Use Your Illusion were at um, here in Wisconsin, actually, at uh, uh, Pine Valley. Pine Valley with NWA opening. Two nights at uh, Alpine Valley with NWA opening up. And by that point, uh, Matt uh, Sorum was in the band. Uh, Matt's great, uh, great dude, funny dude. I love Matt. The uh, the original essence of Guns N' Roses already has already changed dramatically, and and uh, they're just but they're still this monstrous band because uh, Slash is still there, Duff is still there, and uh, Izzy was around for a minute. Um, uh, Spaghetti Incident is after this is all over. I do not remember them touring on this at all. I don't remember them doing any shows on Spaghetti Incident. Um, I do know that it was, I didn't understand the point of getting a Charles Manson song, some money. Um, it, I just, you know, aside from the, uh, uh, the scandalous nature of it, I, I just, uh, I don't even know how the song goes. Uh, it's been years since I've listened to it but I just was weirded out by it back then. And I still am to this day, simply because it was Charles Manson. Uh, I didn't realize that hair of the dog was on it. Uh, I do remember that song being on that album, but this is when I started to lose uh, attention um, with the band. And uh, so, yeah, that's it. Um, reluctantly, cause I'm not familiar with the album. I'm going to pick hair of the dog as my favorite. But I just know that I was I was really weirded out then, and I'm still weirded out now that they that they decided to go with a uh, Charles Manson song. So next album after this is they do uh, the Sympathy for the Devil cover mm. for the uh, interview with the Vampire soundtrack, which I always thought mm. that was super cool. Loved it, but it's not an album; it's just a song. Yeah, album. No, it's just a song, and then like then it's years. Until you hear anything with Guns N' Roses name on it again. And that comes on the last day soundtrack in 99 when they come out with the song, Oh My God. But at that point, it's only Axel as the right. original guy left at that point. So that's yep. song's kind of cool, but it's also kind of nine inch nailsy a little bit. Never really dug when they did that. And then, you know, the album, it's, it's coming. New Guns N' Roses album, it's coming, it's coming. And you're waiting and you're waiting. Eventually, people stop giving a shit. And then in 2008, it finally comes out. One thing I thought about when I listened back to this album, because it's been a minute since I have, I bought that sucker on the first day. Like, I was excited to hear it. And I thought, for all the times that it's been pushed back, you know, it's coming out. 
oh, now it's not coming out. It's going to be released. Now it's not going to be released. And I wonder which- if you're going to say what I think you're about to say, uh, but go ahead. I have an idea. I think I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. I'm going to say when this was coming out, I thought this has got to be the greatest. Yes. Album yes. If you are, if you're going to tweak this thing for 15 fucking years, it must be amazing. Yes. Yep, yes. That's exactly what I thought. It's like, it's got to be. It's got to be the greatest thing ever. And I remember yep. getting it out of the store, taking the CD out of the package, immediately sticking it in the car, cranking it up. And the title track comes on. And I was like, hell yeah, this is fucking awesome. You know, it's jamming. It's got great guitar riff to it. It's heavy. It's cool. Because you would take a lot more get past that first song and it's like oh man this isn't the greatest album ever recorded there's a lot of weird shit on this thing i know there's some songs on it i think are pretty cool like i said the title track easily my favorite on here just because it just rips so hard and it's such a heavy tune and axel's just killing it on it i thought this is gonna be amazing and then shackler's revenge is next and it's like okay that's all right i guess and then better is after that and you go all right, that's kind of cool too, I guess. And then Street of Dreams is not great. And then there's a song that's kind of okay, and then one that's really bad, and then another one that's really bad, and another one that's really bad. Kind of like the Riot in the Bedouins. I like the song Sorry, which I think is about Slash. I've read, I thought. And then IRS is a pretty cool song, but the last three songs are garbage. Far, far from what I expected to of the greatest album ever released. Madagascar is the worst, but I mean, flip a coin. There's like five other ones that are right there with it. Chris? Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> pretty much the same response. I didn't buy it on release day. I had already kind of just tempered my expectations. I was like, something tells me, to me, I had a different thought. My thought was, if it takes 15 years to release this thing, I bet it sucks. And I was kind of right, because I was just like, if it was that great, they would have pushed, put it out already. And then I listened to it. I did like the title track. I thought it was cool. For me, the best song on here is better. It's it's as close as he came to changing their sound the way he wanted to and pulling it off. It's a good song. Still, to, A lot of the stuff on this album is synthetic sounding. I don't know if that makes sense. It sounds like plasticky. There's something, there's something just non-authentic about it, probably because there's like 12 different lineups that that do this record. So, and then for me, um, the last three songs do suck, but for me, the worst song on here is scraped. I think that's just a horrible song. Hmm. Well, again, this is, um, this is an album that I intentionally never listened to, uh, because it wasn't guns and roses. It was, it was Axel. It was the same reason why I avoided, uh, seeing them live. Um, I remember they were doing a residency in Vegas and the girl that I was dating at the time said, um, let's go to Vegas and go see Guns N' Roses. And I kept telling her that's not Guns N' Roses. And she's like, yeah, it is. Axl Rose is Guns N' Roses. And they said, no, if Mick Jagger goes out and does solo shows, that's not the Rolling Stones. That's Mick Jagger. Yeah, you know, it was like we kept having these long arguments. 
uh, these long debates about uh, this is not Guns N' Roses. And I was like, all right, you want to, we'll go. And then I, I got us into the show uh, over at the Hard Rock. And uh, from the opening of the show, we're watching. And it sounds, you know, sounds, it's Guns N' Roses music, you know. But I remember like four songs into it. And she looked at me and she was like, we can go. And I was like, all right, cool. So we left. Um, but, um, but something crazy happens uh, on this reunion tour that they are now four or five years into. Um, they keep playing this song better in the middle of the show. And holy fuck, if that's not one of my favorite Guns N' Roses songs of all time now. I just... As soon as it starts, I I just know, oh, this is one of those Chinese democracy songs. And I resisted it. Uh, I saw the first uh, stadium show of the tour. Uh, my timing couldn't have been more perfect. I book all my shows around the world, around sporting events and concerts. It's a big reason why I'm not famous. I, um, I book all my shows around Mariner games, Seahawk games and uh and concerts and i booked myself to be in detroit when the seattle mariners were going to do a four game stint against the detroit tigers and i'm going to perform friday and saturday kept trying to think of like uh what am i going to do with my thursday they announced that guns N' roses is going to do a tour a stadium tour first nights in detroit it's on that thursday and i'm like fuck yes and then they announced allison chains is going to open up the tour which those guys are the only they're the only band that's ever invited me on tour to be an opening act for a full, i've opened up for metallica system of a down Corey taylor the struts uh motley crew i've i've never done a tour and allison chains is the first band ever taking on tour so uh and they're all mariners fans so we all went to the mariners game on a wednesday night and then walked in to watch rehearsal for Guns N' Roses, and then I saw them open up for Guns N' Roses on the Thursday night. Completely unnecessary name dropping in the story. <laughs> and um, but the song "Better," they they put it right into the set. And the next time I I see the show, I just think oh, I like that progression from that annoying sound to that cool sound. And then I kept noticing, oh, that's that annoying sound again. Oh, wait, the cool sound's about to come in. Yeah, that's the cool sound. And then every time I hear that annoying sound going into the cool sound, I'm like, you know what? I actually like the annoying sound now. Now, now I'm like into the annoying sound and the cool sound. I love better. Tell you anything else about Chinese democracy, but uh, um, but better is a, a phenomenal song. I would love to know if DJ Ashba wrote that. If he did, 
he definitely deserves credit for uh, writing no. a phenomenal song. Axel and Robin Fink wrote that one. Robin Fink. Okay. Um, now, after this, we're going back into singles, right? There was no other albums after Chinese Democracy. That's it then after that. Just singles and uh, an EP. This was one I found that I thought was pretty damn cool. I like this better than anything on Chinese Democracy. Have you guys heard Axl Rose team up with Bugs Bunny for the song Rock the Rock? I watched it when I saw your list, and uh, it does sound better than anything on Chinese Democracy. That's hilarious. <laughs> Not familiar, but uh, I would love to see it. Um, this might be a, a good time to do a reveal for anybody who's listening to the audio portion of this. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Chris has not actually been on this video screen at all. We've been talking to the bass player of the Goo Goo Dolls, um, who's been uh, in his window. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just the hairstyle. Right. <laughs> it's similar to the bass player of the, of the Goo Goo Dolls. And every time we talk, I think, like, I don't have my glasses on. So I'm like, you know what? With, without my glasses on, <laughs> hairstyle? Like, yeah. So anyways. Um, I'm going to uh, start wearing a chicken, a Michael Myers mask and a chicken bucket on my head. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, I love it. I love the concept of it. I love the whole vibe of um, people who love a certain artist getting together to analyze and, and break down what they've done. So thank you for letting me be a part of that. Very cool, man. The only thing other than that was recently they came out with uh, the hard school EP. I guess it had, it's a single really. It has two songs on it, hard school and absurd. Have you guys heard any of that? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I heard both of them. And while they didn't jump right out at me at first, um, my initial feeling is just simply, hard to be Guns N' Roses putting out new songs. It's hard to be Slash, Duff, and Axel when you have that body of work and it's like, all right, well, what's this going to be? It's really, really hard to do. So I actually have reserved judgment on it. I mean, I've obviously there's the immediate like, oh, what the fuck, you know, because uh, the internet is the internet. Yeah. But uh, I genuinely I have no feelings about, about those songs. I, I feel like I need to give them time to grow on me. So what about you guys? And they're okay. I mean, hard school's all right. Absurd's kind of weird. Absurd sounds like it could have been on Chinese democracy to me, mm -hmm. but just okay. You know, like you said, I, it didn't really, it wasn't like nothing like, oh, hell yeah. You know, new guns and roses music. This is amazing. But like you said, you know, I feel you kind of feel bad for them because they never truly were able to top appetite for destruction, but, I mean, who could? Who could top that perfect mm -hmm. album the debut? Mm -hmm. Never recapture that magic. And I guess you'd have to be homeless and on drugs and not have a penny to your name to be able to capture that kind of attitude and feeling on an album, which those guys are so far removed from that. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, if, if Guns N' Roses came out with a new album this year, would you be excited about it? Mm -hmm. 
If it was the original lineup, I would. Yeah, and I, I kept saying when that tour happened, uh, I was like, man, if they could have Steven and Izzy in the band, that would be crazy. And Steven was there. Uh, he was at that rehearsal space. Uh, I knew I was... That's just more name dropping. The, the bottom line is this. A uh, friend of mine who was there uh, handling guitars when Steven showed up, I remember asking him, like, I saw him at a birthday party of another name drop. And I said, um, I said, hey, man, so how's Steven doing? And he goes, how'd you know about that? And I said, I, I just know. I just know that he's been there. And he goes, I think he's doing all right, man. He, I mean, he sounds good. And uh, but man, uh, that guy, Steven, I've never met him before. He hugged me like eight times. <laughs> That's Steven I Adler for you. Fucking love that story. He, like he was re really thrown by it. He goes, "Yeah, man, the guy just uh, he kept hugging me." Like I just love that. I love that he was like so thrown by that. I adore that about Steven, you know. And um, um, uh, but yeah, and I know Izzy showed up just to you know. There, there, there's a story that Izzy showed up just to say hello there and Izzy uh, an offer was thrown at Izzy and it was like, uh, we'll pay you X amount. And Izzy was like, no, man, let's split it. Mm. You know, that's my understanding of it. Yeah. I am just a stand up comedian wh who drops every name. Uh, I was hanging out with my friend, Corey Feldman. No, I don't know. Sorry. <clears throat> but uh don't drop I never that. Met, uh, yeah, <laughs> I never met Corey Feldman. I don't think. But uh, best and worst Corey Feldman albums here today. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. <laughs> what is it? Millennial what is uh Ascension Millennium. Ascension Millennium. <laughs> God bless him. I fucking love that guy. I fucking love that guy. So uh how do we wrap? I think for me, going back and listening to these albums after, you know, them being a part of my life all these years, man, it really reawoken my love for Guns N' Roses, you know, mm -hmm. for the Appetite for Destruction being a absolute perfect album without a bad song on it. One of the greatest albums ever released, arguably maybe the greatest debut album ever released mm -hmm. by any band ever. I mean, that's arguable, I think. The fact that Axl Rose such a strong lyrics writer, the clever shit that he puts into them songs that, like you said, some of those things jump out at you and you'll always remember them. You'll never forget, you know, some of those lyrics that are so damn clever. The way he uses his voice as a weapon in these songs, you know, he's not just a singer. It's like his voice is an instrument that accompanies the band and also sings the words to the songs. Duff McKagan Great bass player. I, I even love the songs that Duff McKagan sings. Duff McKagan's like Ace Fraley. He's not, he doesn't have the most beautiful voice, but he has the voice that I like to listen to because it's got something about it that I enjoy. So I love even the Duff songs. And Slash, I mean, you can't say enough about how amazing and creative Slash is. And, and Izzy, you know, the song's amazing. The solos on these songs are stuff that, just blows my mind. They're perfect, perfect solos from Slash. You get into Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, yeah, there's some weird shit on there, but there's also some songs that are just fucking amazing. And there's stuff you can find on, on Spaghetti Incident that you like. 
and even Chinese Democracy's got a handful of good songs on it. So you you went around the horn and you got Stephen. Yeah, the drummers Stephen. I wish they could get it back together. I mean, fuck the money. Do it for the fans, you know. Do it for the people. Get Stephen back. Get Izzy back, and then go. Hey, what would happen if we tried to create something? that has the flavor of appetite for destruction. Forget all the the industrial sounds and the the sound clips and all that stuff. Forget all that. Just try to write a straight-up rock album as close as you can get it to appetite. I would love that, to see if they could do it. I'm just going to say a couple of words and then hand it over to Chris, which is uh, Aaron just embarrassed me when he said, uh, going back and reviewing all these songs, I just went, fuck this is why i didn't graduate high school because i didn't do any work i just looked at the track listings and i just went by memory and i was like oh god and i i read the track uh title and i go yeah oh yeah and like but i didn't actually do all that homework i just i am such a guns and roses fan um but uh still didn't graduate high school and i went to high school for a long time so there you go uh robbie takak what do you got <laughs> Um, sorry no no it's all good <laughs> uh but yeah aaron you were saying you always wonder what if you know the the original guys got back in in the studio again and tried to write an album again i'll tell you what would happen it would be a murder suicide they would all kill each other yeah and whoever was left would kill themselves uh th- there's no way it would work i don't know i just i've never been the biggest hardcore guns and roses fan i always love i loved the early stuff but uh it was cool to go back and listen to this stuff especially uh and it was even cool to listen to Chinese Democracy again, even though it's odd. Um, but uh, no, I like it. Um, I don't know that I'd really want to hear another new record from them, unless it's those guys. But uh, this has been fun to go, kind of go back and revisit and, and get everyone's takes on this stuff. And Craig, uh, we're excited to see you in a few weeks here in Nashville for Rock and Pop. We're glad you're coming back. I'm flying straight from Perth, Australia to Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> you're going to be so fucking tired. And then I think the week at like I'll be there for three days, and then I'm doing the Howard Stern show Monday. I'm going to be part of the Howard Stern Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So um, and everybody's remote, so I'll do it from a hotel room in Nashville on the first day, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll just uh, I think I'm in New York. Um, but uh, yeah, I will uh, post some pictures of uh, some old uh, GNR days on my Instagram. So by the time this comes out. Uh, people can take a look at Craig Gas Comedy at Craig Gas Comedy with two S's, and um, uh, and I'm touring a lot. I'm doing the Where Have You Been tour, and that is taking me literally all over the world. Doing my first arena tour in Australia, New Zealand, opening for Russell Peters, and um, dates all over the U.S. Um, I'm in Green Bay right now, and I've got. Uh, Jeez, uh, uh, I'll be in Nashville. I'll be in Maui and Honolulu and Phoenix for the Super Bowl, and it's it's all at getgas.com. Get gas with two s's.com. All right, I'll see you at Rock and Pod. Looking forward to it.